morning, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Good? All right. Hey, if you're not awake yet, Marin's got some coffee for you, so make sure you grab some before you uh, get too far into your day. Uh, iced coffee, decaf, caffeinated, all of it, right? So feel free to grab it. There's also uh, lattes. You can, you can whip up a latte, right, Marin? Yeah. Yep, there she goes. All right, good. <laughs> So good to have all of you here this morning, uh, and I appreciate you taking time to be at Faith. I've, oh, I say this every week, or just about every week, and I really do mean it. You could be doing a billion different things in our beautiful state uh, right now, but you're here, and I definitely appreciate you taking time to make us a part of your day. Even online, maybe you're enjoying something else in or out of the state, and you're joining us online. Thank you for doing that, too. We really appreciate you jumping in with us on Facebook or YouTube each week. Thank you so much for that. Uh, also, we want to make sure that if you are new here, that you get welcomed officially. So if you haven't been greeted yet, I'm sorry, we'll hopefully get to you. Uh, but we also want to get you a guest bag. So if you're in person, Miss Dawn's in the back. She's going to hook you up with that. Or if you're online, we have a free e-gift or e-book for you as well. So make sure you let us know you're new here, and we will get that to you today, all right, via link. We'll send it to you on email. Really informal, just something to give if you like to be recognized, all right? Awesome. If you have children, we love for them to be a part of the process. So if you have kids, we have a downstairs experience that is fantastic. The, kid, the uh, families that are serving down there are awesome and ready to just pour into your kids and, and love on them this morning. And so we encourage you to uh, be down there. If you like your kids to stay with you, I have uh, seven children. And before we came here, most of our kids would stay with us during the morning experience. And so they're more than welcome to stay up here. They will not be a distraction to me. I will guarantee it promise you, not going to bother me at all, right? Uh, so make sure you know they're comfortable here as well, if that's fine with you. Uh, online, we do have a kid's experience too. So if you're missing a week or you're on vacation, or maybe you're just checking it out, we have a link on our Facebook page that you can see and get involved with your family online there too. So don't miss that opportunity as well. All right, a couple more things I want to highlight this morning. One is we got something coming up Friday, September 9th, I'm super jazzed about. It's our faith worship night, all right? So I'm really excited to be able to worship with you guys. Uh, we don't have live worship here on a Sunday morning yet. Prayerfully, that's something that develops over time. But we, what we try to have accomplished is to have a quarterly, mostly quarterly, worship experience uh, where we do live music and prayer and communion and all those things wrapped up into one. And so I want to invite you to that this Friday at 6 p.m., okay? So whatever it is you're doing, cancel your plans, right? Show up here instead. Friday, 6 p.m. is we're going to hang out. We got a pretty long music set, so we're going to get really deep into it, which is great. And we're going to be able to, again, have some deep prayer time. If you want to be prayed over, we're going to have, we're going to lay hands on people, gather around the, the altar and pray together and get deep into the presence of God in a way we can't really do on a Sunday. So if that's something you're interested in or something you just want to see what that's about, Friday, 6 p.m. is the time to do that, all right? So make sure you're joining us for that. Also, next week, next Sunday, September 11th. I can't believe it's already here. I've almost missed it, uh, but thankfully I, it didn't quite sneak past me. Is Sports Team Sunday, all right? So everybody should be pumped up for sports, right? Yeah, so if you're a college football fan, this, this weekend has been fantastic. From Thursday, I got a great game tonight I'm watching that I hope I don't have a heart attack over, and then tomorrow there's another game. So if you're a college fan, that's already starting, but NFL kicks off next week, and so do we. So if you want to be a part of Sports Team Sunday, all you got to do is bring in your favorite, come in rather, wearing your favorite sports team shirt, jersey, cap, whatever, paraphernalia, whatever you want. Put on you something that's going to rep your team. And then if you're part of our in-person experience, what we want you to do is bring in a brunch item, all right? Because we're going to have tables set up. We're going to have food. We're going to eat. We're going to party. We're going to have a great time next week as we dive into the kickoff of the NFL season, but celebrate all things sports. Uh, I was talking earlier about some, with some sports uh, talk with Walt, and then Rich walked up, and where's Rich? He's a Mets fan, and I said, you can just go away because I want to talk about the Mets and they're winning away. I'm a Braves fan, so usually the Mets screw up things by now, but they keep winning, and it's just really annoying me. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, so we can do that a little more next week as we, uh, I try not to do too much sports analogies here during the week, every single Sunday, but next Sunday, you're going to get them all into one weekend, all right? So just get ready for that. And uh, bring a brunch item, wear your favorite sports team shirt if you don't adopt one, all right? So, uh, and be here next Sunday as we celebrate that together. Awesome. Last thing I want to do is always invite you into two things. One, to get to receive, to get. If you're in need in any form or fashion, please let us know. Don't miss out on that opportunity. Say, man, I've got a bill that's due and I think I can handle it. 
Well, we want to help you handle it, all right? So make sure you reach out to us. Go to our website, faithchurchvt.com, and you'll find all our content info on the bottom, and you can reach out to us there, and we will do our best to meet the need in your life wherever you're at right now and help resource it. If we can't meet the need, we'll try our best to get uh, the help you need somewhere else. We just have an opportunity this past weekend and it'll extend for the next couple of days to help someone who has uh, recently been homeless, has been placed in our community. And so we're trying to reach out to them and help them the best we can. It's opportunities like that. You don't have to be homeless. You can be someone who's in our community that is just in need. But anything like that, we're looking for opportunities to be able to give back to this community, to, to bless people, to raise people up uh, with no strings attached. All right. So just make sure you know we're available for you if that's uh, your situation. You like to help, uh, or you need help, and you want to reach out to us. All right. For those who like to give, that's what it's all about. Generosity is a hallmark, uh, should be anyway. I believe it's a hallmark of, of my life, but I pray it's the hallmark of our church that we try our best to give as much as we possibly can, not only financially, but time, talent, all those things that we give sacrificially. That it's not just about the overflow. Oh, well, I got a little extra this week. Let me give that. It's about giving before I even get anything, knowing God's going to provide and knowing what I give is going to impact my friends, my family, this neighborhood around us and the communities, all the little houses and pockets around Powell. It's going to reach and touch somebody in some way through your generosity. And so I want to encourage you, if you haven't had an opportunity to give yet this week, that you do so today. You can do it physically by giving in the baskets in the front or in the back, or you can give online, faithchurchvt.com. Press the give button, or you can use our church center apps. Really easy. You just go on church center on Play Store or Apple Store. You look it up, you can find us, and you can give there as well. So it's really easy to be able to do so. And everything you give is just being poured right back out into the community to reach those people with a love of Jesus. And so the more we give together, the more we're able to reach and impact this community for him. And so I encourage you to do that this morning in every way you possibly can. All right. So with that out of the way, I want to jump into a question as we start our next part of our Overcomers series. Everybody been joining this a little bit? Maybe, maybe not enjoying it. Maybe you've been dragged through the mud a little bit on this series. We're talking about busyness and stress. Today we're going to talk about worry. Uh, but the whole point of us getting into these uh, the things in our lives that just overwhelm us is that that's exactly what they do. And we let them overwhelm us. We let them overwork us. We let them overstress us. And the point is we don't have to live in those, what we call week one, ruts in our lives, right? That we get into these patterns, we get into these ruts of business, stress, worry, and anxiety, and we think there's just no way, this is just my life, this is just how I live. It doesn't have to be that way. And so we've been working through all these things. The goal was to, be, to recognize the ruts we're in, to be willing to be pulled out of those ruts, and to find a new path in our life so they're not stuck spinning in place, because so many of us do. So many of us get stuck in the busyness and stress and worry and anxiety. So we covered stopping your busyness. We then taught, uh, spent two weeks on stress about how we need to find rest and rhythm and passion in our lives. And then this week, we're going to tackle worry. So to get us started, we're going to have a discussion, as we always do. We're going to take a quick five-minute break, and we're going to get together. We're going to hang out. We're going to discuss together. And this is going to be a little bit different. Usually, I have a question you can ask and answer of each other, and maybe you could, but this is very broad, all right? So it might take a little more thought. So if you're not awake yet, again, grab some coffee, all right? Make sure you do that. Uh, and I realize, Josh, I didn't cue you up a song, so you just pick anyone you want. It's, all, it's just dealer's choice today, uh, Josh. Feel free. And... Um, and then we'll come back after the song is over to discuss what we talked about. So the question is this, what if, what if is the question? What if, dot, dot, dot. So if you have never done this exercise before, uh, maybe you're a little confused. Like, what if what? What if I don't know? What's that? What do I do? All right. Uh, so it's, it's really easy. Uh, what if, this is an example, what if a river, the river down the road here was made of chocolate, right? Something that simple. It can be what if, right? I know my kids just watched Willy Wonka a few days ago, so it's stuck in my brain. It's a great movie. Anyway, um, even the songs, and I hate musicals, but whatever. Anyway, so what if, da, 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 whatever the case is. It could be fun. It could be serious. It could be everything in between. What if something in your life or out of your life or in the world or whatever the case is, all right? So Josh has already got a song queued up for us. When that thing's over, we're going to come back. But in the meantime, feel free to get up, move around, ask each other how your week's going, talk to each other, talk about what if, and then we're going to come back in a few minutes and discuss it together. All right, go ahead, Josh. Thank you. All right. Those of you online, we're, we're busy socializing, which is great. Uh, and hope you've been doing that online as well. It's such an awesome opportunity to do that each week. So let's dive into this. 
Where's, where's Rich? Did you get it? My, he's got, man, Rich is Johnny on the spot. I appreciate your, your initiative, Rich. We're going to talk about what if, what if a little bit. Uh, so let's, let's go ahead and do that. Anybody got a what if for you that you might have thought of? Oh, a couple of them in the back. That's right, cotton candy clouds. Perfect, absolutely. I told him I'd appreciate fog a lot more if that was the case, right? Walt's well, got one behind you there. What if we don't go below zero this winter? Hey, that's a great one. What if, man? <laughs> oh, it is what if. Hey, if clouds could be cotton candy, right? <laughs> uh, anyone else? Those are good. What if Jesus showed up here today in person? Oh, ah, yeah. Are we ready? There you go. That'd be awesome. Yeah. What if? Great. I love that one. There's another one. What if? There we go. Miss Becky and the Miss Jan. Perfect. My husband sells firewood, and he has this big red international truck that he's just started uh, delivering his wood in. And so he had to deliver some wood over across the mountain. And I said, well, I'll go with you. I'll ride. And he said, okay. And so I got myself all fired up about, I was thinking we were going someplace farther than we were going. And I was like, well, what if the brakes go in this truck? Or what if, you know, so I've got all these things in my head. All of a sudden, he puts on the blinker way before I thought we were... <laughs> You know, I'm gonna go. And God said to me, "Honey, you're traveling down a road that I didn't even have any intention of you traveling on." So it was a very good lesson for me. So nice. be careful what you're even about because you don't know. You know. Perfect. All right, Miss Jane, what you got? That's good. Hello. Um, what if I had never had a chance to accept Christ into my life? Hmm. I just. I know it's a little more serious than the rest of yours, but for me personally, I'm a. I just have so much joy and hope and comfort and strength because of, of him. Awesome. And uh, I don't even want to look down that road or where it might have ended up. Hmm. Thank you, Miss Chan. That's awesome. All right. Anybody else? No, no more what ifs. That's all we got, really? All these broad questions? I should get more specific. Okay, geez. There we go. Leo's got one over here. Oh, Dave's too. Okay. Since I goad you into it. All right, go ahead. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. I appreciate that. That's good. Dave, thank you. Leo's over here. Rich? What if Florida State loses tonight? <sighs> We're not thinking about that, Rich. Uh, my thought was, what if I never did said or thought anything wrong or sinful? Hmm. What would my life be like then? Mm. That's a great question. Man, I love that one. All right. Any more what ifs? Those are all fantastic. Hey, there we go. Over here on the side, uh, Mr. Rich. <laughs> Get a head on a swivel. Okay. I guess I'll walk into this one. Right? Yeah. Put opportunity. What if I get elected state rep for this area? Yeah, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah, he is running, by the way. So he's on, on a right end, so feel free to vote. <laughs> what if there was no such thing as predestination? Hmm, interesting. I like that one. This is very deep thought. <laughs> all right. I appreciate that, Mr. Chris. Anybody else? Those are all great. All good. Now we're all good on that one. All right. Fantastic. Anyone online daring to ask what if? No, not today. All right. That's, again, pretty broad. All right. We had one really interesting question. Okay. It's like, what if interstates were escalators? <laughs> now, see, that's awesome. What if interstate? <laughs> Me too. Places a lot faster. Than yeah, me. yeah, or at least take a nap on the way. That'd be great. <laughs> what if interstates were escalated? Or yeah, that's fantastic. My goodness. All right. Anybody else? Those are good. Oh, Don's in the corner on the cafe. Let's get him. Hi. This is the question of what if. Yeah. This is for everybody. What if if Jesus came back? Yeah, absolutely. How would we? Right. Mm -hmm. That's great. What if? Absolutely. All right. Anyone else before we get into it? No, 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 no. All right. Those are good. Those are good. I love those. Great response. Oh, you got another one. Oh, here we go. We're just going to keep rolling. We're not, I'm not going to get to what I'm doing today. <laughs> what if just before Jesus put on the cross, he decided not to? Ooh, yeah. Oh, thank God that wasn't the case. Man, let's just talk about negative work. What ifs? All right. Uh, I think there's one over in the cafe, Rich. I'm just joking. I'm just messing with you. There we go. <laughs> 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 All right. 
That's what you get for the Florida State, Greg. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Make it run a little faster. Uh, those are great responses. One of mine, I had, there's a lot. I mean, you can go do what ifs all day long. One of mine was what would be, uh, what if cars could fly, right? And maybe that's going to be a reality sooner rather than later. But uh, as a family who loves to travel and I have nine kids, I'm not flying anywhere. <laughs> that's not going to happen. So we always have to drive. So uh, that's a dream that I hope gets realized sooner rather than later. Uh, as I thought about that, I thought, man, I bet the insurance prices would be ridiculous. <laughs> right? And you'd just be paying through the nose to fly somewhere. But anyway, so what ifs? What ifs, right? It's a fundamental exercise that you should do every once in a while. You should try it with your kids, by the way. If you have lots of free time, don't, don't just do it on, on a whim, but make sure you got lots of time to listen to all their what ifs or your grandkids or whoever. Just ask a random kid, ask my kids when they're coming up, what if, and, and just watch it go on forever. Uh, but they're usually a lot better at it than we are, but uh, those are fun. And uh, it's, it's something we rarely use appropriately at a, as adults. We use our what ifs for stuff like Becky mentioned, right? What if are usually negative, right? There's usually some negatives that follow after that. What if I, my car breaks down while I'm on a long trip? Right? What if uh, our washing machine breaks near the end of the month and we're out of money? Right? What if Johnny fa- fails that class at school? Or what if my health doesn't improve? What if all those little things in our lives? Most of our what ifs are worries in disguise, right? We keep asking what ifs and we keep manufacturing answers that we don't like. And worry is, is, is essentially this. Worry is just anticipation of a bad experience, Right? Worry is something that we all do. It's a rut that we all too easily fall into, and it's really, really hard to get out of, really hard. I had an example of this recently, well, is that recently, a year ago, right? My family and I, we traveled to Wyoming last year, and um, as I mentioned, we love to travel, and it's really hard to get places unless you're going to drive, so we just have to drive everywhere, and uh, our van has been really good for us the past few years. It's been a really great vehicle. It's just reliable. It's roomy. It's easy to drive. Thankfully, it didn't have a lot of maintenance issues, and so we're like, all right, great. We're just going to get up and go. That wasn't even a thought in my mind. We're just going to drive to Wyoming, all right? 31 hours, <laughs> 2,000 miles in this van, right? We're just going to pack up. We're going to go. It took us three and a half days to get there. We took it kind of slow, 10 hours a day, right? And eventually wound up. And the whole purpose of this trip was to do that. It was just to get away. It was just to relax. It was to get away from anything and everyone we ever knew or ever experienced and just to chill out in some completely new environment, right? Now, we arrived safely enough that three and a half days took us to get there. And then two days later, after we settled in a bit, we were going to take the van out to explore around uh, northern Wyoming and check out the sites. And as soon as we leave that morning to go do so, uh, we go down the driveway, we turn on the road, and we get a mile down, and I hear this noise. I can't even describe the noise anymore. I've tried to forget it. But I hear this funny noise underneath the van, right? And <laughs> this noise was small. It was probably very insignificant, but it triggered something in me. And that one noise, just one noise, nearly ruined a whole 10-day relaxing vacation just two days in. Just one noise. Because with that one noise, my mind went into overdrive, right? What caused it? How serious is it? Are we going to be left stranded in the middle of a place I know no one and nothing about, right? Uh, I kept trying as I was thinking all those what ifs. I kept trying to push those things down because I didn't want to ruin vacation for me or for the family. I didn't want to worry my family, right? But every time I tried, I just hear it again, right? And it just kept coming back and back and back. And all the what ifs kept replaying in my mind. It was a thorn in my side that whole trip. I had moments of relaxation. I really did. I, and, I, and I appreciated that trip. It was an awesome experience. But nothing like I would have if I could have just let that noise go. If I could just let it go. You see, my worrying, as much as I did that trip, and it was a lot. I mean, we started making some alternate plans. It was, it was affecting so many things. That worrying didn't solve anything. It didn't solve any of it. Matter of fact, we made it all the way back to, to, to Vermont, 2,000 miles back the other direction. No worries, no problems. We didn't have any issues with it other than the squeaky noises. But other than that, there was nothing going on. We made it all that way back. And all that worrying did was try to rob me of a joyful experience. That's all it did. And it very nearly succeeded. In many ways, it did succeed. Corey Ten Boom, who, uh, if you don't know her story, she was a... Um, War, in World War II, and she hid hundreds of Jews during World War II, and herself was eventually put in a concentration camp. She's quoted as saying this. She said, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Writer Irma Bombeck once wrote that worry is like a rocking chair, 
right? It never, sorry, it gives you something to do, but it never gets you anywhere. And yet we all do it, don't we? We all experience this, this feeling, these what ifs, these things that come up to us, maybe more often than we like to admit. Over the span of a lifetime, worry can add up to all these just endless hours, endless hours and emotional drain that you never get back. So how do we stop? Is it possible to? We're going to examine that today. We begin to find our answer in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 33. So if you have a Bible, feel free to turn there. If you have a Bible app, feel free to use that. Uh, if you just want to watch online or up on the screen, that'll be there for you as well. As we just go through this whole section on worry, I'm going to read this here in, in bulk, and then we're going to break it down little by little uh, as we journey into this experience and find out how do we stop worrying. Is it even possible? All right, so let's listen to the words of Jesus. Before I do that, I want to give you some context. Uh, Jesus was teaching this here while he was on a hillside. He was just giving a, a massive block of teaching that we have in Matthew. He covered everything. He was covering anger. He was covering lust. He was covering divorce. He was covering money. Then he went to forgiveness and generosity and prayer. And in the middle of all these hundreds of things he was discussing, he sensed worry right here in the middle. So we're going to read it. I'm going to read it. And we're going to unpack this together this morning as we find out what he says. Matthew six twenty-five through 33, Jesus says this. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is life not more than food and body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, all you of little faith? Verse 31 says, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But verse 33 says this, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus uses the Greek word for worry or anxiousness, and our translation is anxiety or anxious, but it's worry in Greek as well. He uses it six different times here. He's addressing a people that very much live day by day, right? They're not, they're not having retirement accounts. These are people who are existing uh, depending how well the farm is going or how well the fish are biting or how well the goods were selling. Uh, but despite the moment and the situation those people were in, I still think we can very much find value and apply his words to us today. Most of us will be fairly affluent by most standards in our life. We're not wondering where our next meal is going to come from. Nobody here is going to go home today and think, oh man, I don't know if I have lunch or have dinner. That's not going to happen in our world and in, in this community or what we're going to wear tomorrow or if the clothes we even have on are going to last long enough to get us a new pair of clothes. We just don't exist in that in that mindset, in that culture, yet we are still consumed, even so, probably even more so, still consumed with the things that make up our life, and we worry and we fuss over them constantly. We do. So Jesus' first point rings true to us as well. He says, do not be anxious. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, nor about your body, what you're going to put on. Is it not more than food? Is body not more than clothing? You see, food maintains our life. Clothes protects our bodies. These are good things. We need these things. Cars drive us to work. Houses provide security for us, a place to sleep. All these things are great, but none of those things are an end to themselves. They're not the ultimate point of life, right? Jesus asks several rhetorical questions in this block of, of teaching here, expecting his listeners to know the answer, and he gives that last one, the first one here. He says, is not life more than food? Is not body more than clothing? It's, it's rhetorical. He's not expecting you to, to think about it. Oh, man, I don't know, is it? He's expecting you to say, yes, <laughs> of course life is more than those things. Of course it is. Those that day and us this morning hopefully can answer yes to that question, 
that life is so much more than we eat, drink, wear, drive, or sleep on, yet our worries betray us, don't they? We would say yes to that. I think the people that day would too. But what we worry about tells us that we don't really believe it. How much time do we spend concerning ourselves about so many things that aren't important, right? That's what Jesus' point was here. Our question is to be, how much time do we spend concerned about our relationship with God and others and our friends and family's relationship to him and their, the, the scope of eternity that's at stake here, right? Compared to how much time we spend concerned about the physical world, our possessions, our money, our projects, our future. Those things are small in comparison, yet we worry so much more about those small things and worry nothing about the more important. And Jesus says, why? You should really be flipping that around because life is much more important than what you're concerned with, right? He keeps going with the first of two more, uh, what we call how much more examples that we see in creation. He says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of much more value than they, right? So he's simply saying this, if God provides for the birds, will he not provide for you? How much more valuable are you than a bird? That's not to say birds aren't great. I love birds. I have a bird feeder. I love watching and listening to birds. But trust me, you are more important than a bird in the eyes of God. You are. And you should take stock in that and be like, oh, great. Because you shouldn't be like, oh, man, God should value birds more. You should be thinking, how much more does God value you? Because he does. He keeps going with another rhetorical question. He says, and which of you, by being anxious or worried, can add a single hour to his life? You see, worry is deceptive. It's like the rocking chair we spoke of earlier, isn't it? It can feel productive. Maybe you even said, I'm not worrying. I'm anticipating problems so I can find the solution before they show up, right? That's what I'm doing. But Jesus' question sobers us up. We're not living more efficiently by worrying. We're wasting the precious time we've been given. He goes on to talk about grass and flowers of the field, how God clothes them with things that even kings can't compare to. And he says this, but if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is today alive and tomorrow's thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? We know as well as anyone here in Vermont how fleeting grass and flowers are, right? They come and go so quickly. I love my neighbor's garden. Miss Bernie Snyder is an awesome individual, and one of her unique gifts uh, that, that I try not to take for granted in her life isn't all these other things she could. She's got many talents, but one of them is fostering this garden that she has outside of her door. And we get to reap the benefits of it uh, by watching, just looking and seeing it flower and grow every year. But always gets me is how soon those things spring up in the spring, but how fast summer goes, how soon fall gets here. And now it's going to be time she's going to start taking it all down because it's dying away, right? How fleeting are those flowers and how beautiful they are. Jesus was right. I mean, kings and presidents and, and, and Hollywood stars can dress themselves up in all these things, but they still can't even compare to the beauty of a flower. These things are so temporary, yet so beautiful. And Jesus says this, if God cares for something so fleeting, how much more will he provide for us who are much more worthy, who are created for an eternity? You see, all these questions and assumed responses, Jesus is doing one thing or a couple of things here. He's one trying to to calm our nerves a bit. He's saying, don't worry. Think about this. Just think through this process. But he's also painting this picture of God, this author and sustainer, this lavishly beautiful world that we live in as someone who can be trusted to meet the needs of those who listen and follow after him. Those who can't trust are labeled by Jesus here as those of little faith. Little faith, meaning those who are afraid instead of trusting God to provide. You see, faith means confidence that God can and will act on his people's behalf. Focus on that for a second. Confidence and trust and faith means that God can and will act on his people's behalf. Many of the people listening to Jesus that day probably had an intellectual understanding of God. Pause on that for a second. Many of the people listening to Jesus that day probably had an intellectual understanding, meaning they understood that God existed. Maybe even a belief of saying that they not only knew he existed, but they knew there was something going on in the world and that he was a part of that process. But intellectual belief, 
Grasp onto this. Don't miss this today. Intellectual belief and understanding alone is irrelevant, irrelevant without trust. Intellectual belief is irrelevant without trust. You see, worry is fear of the future because the outcomes are unknown and our ability to handle them are untested or lacking. Faith is trust that no matter the outcome, God can and will act for his people, for his glory, and for our good. That's what trust is. That's faith in a nutshell, right? Jesus says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows, knows that you need them all. He knows. Confidence comes from trust that God knows your need, that he is going to meet it in his way, in his timing. Now, I want to be clear here. When you read this, when you hear Jesus and he gives all this great picture and he paints this beautiful world that we should live in and he gives us all these yes answers to God providing for us, I want to be clear. Jesus isn't saying that God will give you everything you want. That's not going to happen. He isn't saying that you can go out and you can buy that F-250 that you saw on the lot or you can take that trip to Tahiti and then don't worry about paying the bill at the end of the month because God's got you covered. That is not what he's saying. All right, that's not it at all. That is not it. Be guarded not to invite worry through bad choices. All right, God gives us Psalms and Proverbs. We've been talking and reading through Psalms and Proverbs uh, as a church, and I encourage you to dive into Proverbs just daily. Just go into it every single day and get something. And there's words to live by so you're not making bad choices. Because what happens when you make bad choices, you invite busyness, stress, worry, and anxiety, all those things. Bad choices lead to bad consequences, right? So God will meet your needs when you trust him to do so, but he's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. He's not a get-out-of-debt-free card. He's not a get-out-of-wait-free card that you play when you've overextended yourself. That's not what it is. That's not what Jesus is describing here. We live in the consequences of our choices. But fortunately, now if you hear that and you're thinking, oh, man, gee, what, what, what hope am I left with if that's the case? Because I make some pretty bad decisions. So if I'm left with the consequences of my choices, then I'm just, I'm done, right? I, I, there's no hope for me at all. But the gospel does paint this. This gives us out. It gives this beautiful picture uh, that I really appreciate because we're not left without hope. The point of the gospel, the whole point of the gospel, the good news of Jesus that came through and from him is that God can and will redeem our bad choices and bring beauty and freedom and restoration out of them despite us when we place our trust in him. You can have all these bad things that you made, a whole horrible host of decisions, and you're really getting into the consequences of those decisions. Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's a breakup. Maybe it's children. Maybe it's all these things that you've made some bad choices on. You're living with some long-term results, and you're thinking, I'm just done. I'm stuck. I'm, I'm trapped forever. And if you, if you don't trust God in those moments, you are. But when you place your trust in him, he's saying, watch. I'm not going to take you out. It's not, it's not a miracle pill where you're just going to be removed. But I'm going to work beauty through that that you can't even imagine. I'm going to provide for your needs that you didn't even know you needed and give you things you didn't know you needed to be given and watch me as I work in you these, these horrible things and turn them into beauty and glory for me and for your good. Which brings us to Jesus' last point. He says, but seek first. Don't worry, don't worry. He says over and over and over and over again in five different ways. And he says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all those things that you need will be added to you. All of them will. You see, make it your chief priority, your number one thing above all things to find God's kingship, his authority, his, his rule in your life by submitting to him and what he says to do and how he says to live for your life. And I guarantee you, he is not going to let you down. He will come through for you. That word seek there is a, is a present imperative in the Greek, meaning that it should be our constant preoccupation. I love that word preoccupation. Such a funny English word. Occupied, right? What you're doing 
preoccupied means think about what you're doing before you do it, right? So preoccupying, we have something we need to do before we even occupy our time, and that's to seek first the kingdom of God. When your chief question becomes, am I spending enough time reading? Am I spending enough time praying, meditating on his word? Am I spending enough time sitting with others in their sorrow and encouraging them? Am I spending enough time being generous with my time and talent and finances that I've been given? Am I using everything in my life to the glory of God and not my own or not for someone else? When you have that as your chief question, then you won't have to worry about anything else. One, you won't have time, (laughs) right? That's, that's a lot of it. We spend our time filling it with worry. We should be spending time filling it with God's righteousness and God's will in our lives. It says move outside of yourself to someone who's probably way worse off than you are. Just like stress and rest, it seems a simple answer, but it is the only answer that the word gives, that Jesus gives us, is to find your way out of worry. It requires trust. God's got you. And again, I know it sounds simple. It's like, man, pastor, you just spent 20 minutes going on something you could just say in one sentence. But I need you to understand, Jesus needs you to understand that we have to choose trust in God over worry. Every day, every day. So we're going to cover some things. How do we practically do that? All right, because I don't want to leave you with just saying, trust in Jesus. Woo, all right, let's go home, have fun. How do we practically do that? How do we really do that? This is, this is a good question. Ask yourself, how do we do this? All right? I got four tools for you this morning. One is what Pastor Craig Rochelle calls the replacement principle. This is a good one. I love this one. You see, worry isn't something as inborn. It is a learned behavior. Now, we all learn it because we all see people who do it. But worry is a learned behavior. And that takes time to unlearn. That's why I say, I can't tell you, just trust in Jesus and everything's going to work out okay. And then it leave you to go do this because it's not going to work. Worry takes time to unlearn. You're not just going to wake up one day, trust in God, and you're not worrying. And then it's all gravy from there. It's not going to happen. That's a good mindset, but you're going to struggle to pull it off. Trust requires a few things, right? Trust is like a great soup or bread or whatever the case is, whatever you're making. I love food. Trust requires time. It requires repeated experience. And it requires a reminder. My kids know that dinner is going to be on the table every night at approximately 5 o'clock. Fairly consistent. Uh, consistent within like 99% of the time. Unless we're on vacation and things are way off schedule. But if we're here, we're on schedule, dinner's on the table at 5. You come and you eat. You want to eat something, you've got to come and sit around the table at 5 o'clock. Now, they trust when I say, hey, it's time for dinner. There's going to be something sitting at the table. They're not going to go about their day. They're not worried about whether they're going to eat or who's going to make it or when it's done or, or know what it's going to be. They don't have to worry about any of those things. They learned that, tr- that trust, that food's going to be on the table, the trusting in me when I say it's time for dinner, comes through time, repeated experience, and regular reminders, right? It's those three things over and over and over again. So Craig Rochelle gives us some tool. He gives us a principle to live by. How do you develop that trust? And he bases it on Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. It's 2 Corinthians 10, and it's the last half of verse 5. And it says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. Now, this is a huge, this is one small, tiny, tiny little segment of, of Scripture, of, word, of the Word here. It's huge. It's huge in scope. Because if you start practicing this, if one, you've got to believe you can practice it, and you can. But when you begin practicing this, you've, you've unlocked it. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. You see, many of the worries are lies that we've told ourselves or been told by somebody else. And we just retell them over and over and over again. And when those things pop up in our minds, we have to train ourselves to take it captive like an enemy that's trying to break into my house and to kick it and throw it back out and then retell ourselves the truth over that lie. You have to unlearn the worry and learn the truth. Give you a couple examples. Lie says, I need more money to get the things I need to provide for my family. So I'm going to work harder. I'm going to take more hours on. I'm going to work overtime. I'm going to work triple time. I'm going to do all the things. I'm not going to take that vacation. I'm going to do all these things because I need more. If I can just get a little more, then we'll be okay. I've said this before. I'll say it again. You'll never have enough, by the way. But let me tell you the truth that counteracts that lie, because that is a lie. What you hear, that sounds like a good truth. That sounds like if I work more, I get more. That's just fairly basic fundamental principle of life. But again, you're never going to have enough to cover that worry. And so that lie replays in your head and says, I need more. 
I need more. No, I got to work more. No, I got to work more. And I got to do this. I got to get more, 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 more. And it's just worrying over and over and over again that comes and battles around in your brain. And Paul says, take captive every thought to obey Jesus. Jesus doesn't want you to, we just read Jesus. Jesus says, do not worry, <laughs> right? So if Jesus said, don't worry, I got to take that thought captive and I got to realize it's a lie and I got to replace it with the truth. And the truth you find in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. The truth says, now, uh, sorry, not that I'm speaking of being in need. This is Paul speaking again to another church. He says, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Notice he didn't say that I'm to pray hard enough to get what I want. I've learned in every situation to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. I've been both. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. How can Paul say this? Right? But first of all, let's clarify that last part. When you read that and you take Philippians 4.13 out of context and you say, oh man, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. I can go and do all these things. What did Paul just say? Paul just said, I've been hungry. Paul just said, I've been in so much need that you wouldn't even know. I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been in prison. I've been, I'm facing death row at one point. He's in his life doing this. But yet in all things, I've learned to be content because God provides my needs, not my wants. God leads me through places that I don't understand I need to go through, but he does. And so I'm going to trust him anyway. That's how you do all things. That's how you do all things. Who, God's strengthening you. But that's the truth instead of the lie. So when the lie says, man, I need to get more. I've got to work harder. I've got to provide more for my family. I've got to get a little more so I can get the bill at the end of the month or to get us set up for something else. And Paul says, I've learned to be content in all things, to rest in him who strengthens me. That's where I can do all things. That's the truth. Cap, take cap to the lie, replace it with the truth. I got one more for you. Here's a lie we probably have heard ourselves, maybe told ourselves, and I'm such a screw up, right? I'm a screw up. Why would anybody love me? I'm going to end up alone for the rest of my life. Have you been there? Maybe that's a worry or what if that's been bouncing around in your head at one point in your life. What if I don't meet somebody? What if they, I do meet somebody and they realize how screwed up I am and then they may, they'd hurt me and wound up making things worse? What if? That's a lie. Clarify that in your mind right now. If you don't know that's a lie and you think, well, I mean, that is true in my life. Forget that's a lie that you've been told. Here's the truth. Psalm 139, 13 through 16 says, For you have formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. For your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. You are loved. Not because of what you've done, what you're going to do. Because who and how God has made you. Replace the lie with the truth. That's how you start to unlearn worry. Second thing you could use, that's one tool. That's just one tool. I'm going to give you more. One tool. Second tool is prayer. I know this is a really easy one, but I'm going to take you to Philippians again, 4, 6, and 7. Paul's reflecting on Jesus here again. He says, do not be anxious about anything. And how do you not do that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then what's going to happen? He says, don't be anxious, pray. And then when you pray, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But Paul said earlier, he said, take your thoughts captive to obey Christ, right? He's saying here that by prayer, you're going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? Here's the thing. When you worry, you're not praying. When you're praying, you're not worrying. The more you pray, the more you experience the peace of God, and the more you learn to turn things over to him. I'd also uh, encourage you to find somebody else to pray for as well, because if you're just praying over your concerns and your worries, you're doing it wrong, right? You need to be praying for somebody else. Part of the purpose of prayer is to draw you up out of your problems to God, and then for him to say, hey, by the way, look at your neighbor. Look at that person you're sitting next to on a Sunday morning. They're hurting. Do you, have you recognized that? Have you got out, out of your own self enough to see where they're at? Pray for them. 
Watch me work in their life. And then learn as I'm working and trusting in their life, you can say, man, if he's doing it for them, I know he's going to do it for me. Three, that's prayer really quick, but we got things to get to. Three, develop a one-day mentality. One-day mentality. Jesus, at the end of his message on worry, he said this on verse 34. He says, therefore, after all these things he gave us earlier, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious enough for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. See, there are two days you should never worry about. Yesterday and tomorrow. Over 100 years ago, a prolific pastor, it was a guy, man, he's quoted everywhere, Charles Spurgeon, he's a great great uh, preacher. He said this. He said, enough for today is all we can enjoy. We cannot eat or drink or wear more than today's supply of food or clothing. The surplus gives us the care of storing it. Who doesn't it? I got plenty of closets that are full of stuff. And the anxiety that someone might steal it. One staff aids a traveler. A bunch of staves is a burden. Enough is as good as a feast and more than gluttony can enjoy. Enough is all we should expect. A craving for more is ungratefulness. And he finishes this. When our Father doesn't give you more, be content with your daily allowance. You see, when you stop focusing on yesterday's mistakes or tomorrow's problems, you can be grateful for the day you have and the good that God gives you in it. Develop a one-day mentality. Wake up. Pray the prayer that Jesus modeled. He said, Lord, give us today our daily bread, right? It's just right now. Tomorrow's not guaranteed. Yesterday's over. Right now, Lord, give me what I need for today. So when you get up, pray that prayer. Work your day. Praying throughout it. Sleep. Get up. Do it all over again one day at a time. One-day mentality. Replacement principle, replace the lie, replace with truth, or remove the lie, replace with truth. Prayer, one day at a time. Four is something that some of you are already doing. It's called the area of responsibility. This is a tool that is used in counseling circles. Some of you may, again, I've already been doing it. Dr. Sweet reminded me of this. He was here last week. He's uh, one of the counselors up at NEBC, and he's a professor of counseling at the college. Uh, great Christian, great, great man. And he reminded me of this last week, so I said, great, I'm taking that and using it this week since I'm talking about it. Uh, and he says he encourages people to do this, and so I encourage you as well. He says, take a sheet of paper. All right, something very practical. You can all do this today. Go home, take a simple sheet of paper. Then he had to be lined, whatever. And you're going to draw two circles. You're going to draw a big circle, and you're going to draw a circle inside that circle. And on the rest of the paper, you're going to write down all your worries, all right? All those things that are bothering you, all right? So draw some big circles, all right? <laughs> and make sure you leave room in each. So you're going to list all those things. And what you're going to do is you're going to take that list, and you're going to start placing those things, all those worries. You're going to place them in two areas. The inside circle, the smaller one, is things you can actually do something about, right? It's things you can act on and affect change in. Let me give you some examples. That might be bills, right? Which you can do something about by changing your work schedule, maybe spending less or making a payment with creditors. Whatever the case is, you can do something about that. Maybe you have a, a sick friend that can be in there. You can visit them. You can make a meal. You can, you can call them. There's things you can do for them. Maybe you've got house repairs that have to be done. You can make a priority list. You can make a reasonable schedule. All those things are worries, but they can be solved. All right? They can be worked on and solved. The outer circle is for the things that are, are concerned, that, we, that we're worried about. There's concerns in our lives, but they're beyond our ability to legitimately do anything with. There's a reason why one circle is smaller than the other. Our concerns, the things we can't legitimately do anything about, are huge. <laughs> there is a lot of those. Maybe it's a, a grown child making some horrible life decisions. That's a concern. That's not your problem. That's their problem, right? Maybe it's bills being passed in Congress, right? A government issue. That's a problem, but it's not your problem right now. You hire a representative to do that, right? That's what you do. Maybe it's a general concern over what the future is going to hold, right? Just, I don't know, feeling worried or anxious about what that look, might look like. That's not your problem. 
Maybe even something as basic as, I don't know how people really perceive me. Did I say something wrong to somebody today? Or did I not say enough? Or all those things, those are things you can't do anything about. They're concerns. You probably can't have a tangible effect on any of those areas, and many of them is not your responsibility anyway. So what you can do to that bigger circle is you put them in there. You write it out, and then you say, I'm going to pray over these. Now, they're not going to consume my prayer life, but they are going to be in my prayer life watching what God does as he works those things out and not me, trusting that he will do that, right? 1 Peter 5, 7 says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, the temptation is going to be to put everything in that inner circle, right? It's going to be put in. You're going to write out 50 different things. You're going to say, there's not enough room in my inner circle to fit all this stuff in. I just can't. I got to, have, I got to make a bigger inner circle uh, and, and put nothing on that outer band. That's what the temptation is going to be. So I'm going to leave you with a, with a thought here, some stats that, that should help you clarify when you're making this list. It's one last tool to give you. Here's some interesting ones. 40%, 40% of the things we worry about will never happen. These are statistical truths. These are studies. They've done this countless times, all right? So this isn't just some pie. I didn't pull these numbers out of air, all right? This is a study. 40% of the things we were about never will happen. 30% can't be changed, no matter how much you worry about it. 12% are worries over needless health issues that are going to turn out to be nothing in the long run. 10% is spent on very small things in our lives, very petty things, and in the grand scheme of things, don't mean a single hill of beans. Only 8%, 8 percent are legitimate and something we can really do something about. So that means 92% of the things we worry over are wasting our time and our energy and our talent. 92% of your worries are waste. So when you're making that circle, (laughs) those two circles, you should have a very small number of things in the center and a lot of other things on the outside that you're trusting God's going to take care of. So four tools, how to trust God, replacement principle, remove the lie, replace with the truth. Two, one day mentality, prayer is a third, and then we're doing the replacement, the area of responsibility that we're making sure that we are only concerning ourselves with things we can actually change and leaving the rest up to God. Now see, getting out of this rut of worry is a long process, a long, long process, and it's a daily process, but it's a worthwhile one. I've seen so many people buried under their worry that they can't see the need that's right next to them. I've seen people in a community hurting because believers are worrying. I've seen in my own life where I'm so concerned about what I need to get done for today that I miss on an opportunity to tell somebody about Jesus. That's real. And it's wasting our lives we begin to utilize the tools God has given us and relying on his strength and trust him to take care of things instead of us having to do it ourselves. We're not all going to worry less. That'll happen. But you're going to gain peace. You're going to gain joy. You're going to even gain generosity as you begin to hold loosely to the things that we need to keep us secure and cling tightly to the only thing that really can. So for seekers this morning, as we're getting ready to wrap it up, maybe you haven't trusted Jesus yet. Maybe you hear the words of Jesus and you're saying, that sounds really good, <laughs> but I'm not quite sure. Or I don't know about just about Jesus specifically, man. And let me, let me tell you this. And again, a belief, an intellectual belief in God or in Jesus isn't enough. Uh, I'm going I'm to clarify this. You can have been raised in church. You can have all the, the, the things you need to do. You think you got all the boxes checked, but if you don't legitimately trust God, and let me tell you how you know, look how many times you're worrying during the day. Any area of your life that you're not trusting him is a worry. So you can have all this belief you want, but if you're not trusting him day after day, you're stuck. You say, man, pastor, that's, that's, that's rough. I mean, I, I want people to... to I think there's a bigger, there's a broader road here to, to cover. There's got to be some more room to wiggle. And Jesus says, no, there's not. <laughs> it's just trust me and follow me day by day. And then when you ask, you seek, you knock, all those things are going to be open to you. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
be preoccupied constantly with that. And if you're not this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity. Maybe God's speaking to you this morning. Maybe Jesus is speaking in your heart, just like he spoke to those people this morning. And you say, how's that possible? It's because he's not dead, <laughs> right? You see, Jesus lived and he died and he rose again. And then when he's sitting at the right hand of the Father in heaven, he's interceding for you. He's speaking to you right now saying, I'm not done with you. Your bad decisions, you may be living with those consequences, but I am not done with you. I've got worry in your life that I'm going to replace with joy. And all you have to do is trust me and I'm going to work it out. So if that's you this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to that call in your life. If it's not you, maybe you're still sitting there. I don't know. Maybe just all things will work out anyway. Just wait and see. Continue to lean in to us and to what we're doing here. Not because us, we're special, but lean into the word. Get in time of, of, of just reading the Bible and just see what God is saying to you in your life. Come and sit with us at church or on a, on a Wednesday night or a prayer meeting or just sitting around a table eating some food together and hang out and listen and say, what is God doing here? What does this mean? Ask questions, answer it. We'll, be, we'll love to have that dialogue with you as we seek to find those answers. For believers... How much trust do we have in God through Jesus? Legitimately. Again, intellectual belief isn't enough. And again, like I said earlier, for seekers, any area where you don't legitimately and practically trust God is going to become a source of worry. Finances, kids, retirement, government, the future, all those things. Because worry says, I don't trust you to take care of this problem, so I'm going to hold on to it. And I'm going to leave you with one last words of Jesus out of John 14, 27. Jesus says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Let's pray this morning. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, not because it's, it's, it's you need to do that or I'm trying not to tell you what to do, but I encourage you because I want people to have freedom. Well, people have freedom to respond in this moment. For them not to have to worry about if they're being watched over or looked at or judged in this moment. Because what I want you to do is I want you to pause and reflect and respond to what Jesus is working in your life here right now. And if you're a seeker, and that's someone who maybe has had belief but has not trusted in Jesus, and today you're trusting in him. Today you're realizing, I've, I've messed things up. And there's no way out of my rut but through Christ and through him telling me how to live and following him, making him the chief thing in my life above all things. If that's you this morning, you respond to that call by praying a prayer like this. Saying, Jesus, first, I'm sorry. God, I've been carrying things that I should have put down a long time ago. I've been worried about my, my, the circle. If I drew a circle on a paper, the paper wouldn't be big enough to hold it all. And God, I haven't been trusting anybody. I have a hard time trusting myself some days. But today, I want to turn all that over. I want to trust you. I want to trust you at your word. It says, do not be worried that I'll be provided for that you're going to work beauty out of the bad choices in my life. Lord, I thank you for that promise, for that hope. God, and help me to live one day at a time trusting you fresh each day. Now, if that's you this morning and you prayed that prayer, one like it. Again, it's not magic words. It's not a special sequence. It's just you crying a heart's cry out to God who is calling to you right now. And you responded to that. I got a couple of things for you to do. One, I encourage you, please don't leave here today without finding me. I, not because I'm special, because I want you to take a next step because that's the first in a daily journey that we do together. And so I want to encourage you to come and find me or Leo's up front here. He'll help you out. There's a few people around the, on the auditorium that will connect with you before you go as you start a new journey into a new way of living with Jesus. Online, like or leave a comment. Don't think you're left out there too. We want to follow up with you as well. For everyone else, for believers and all of us as we're ready to close out and live out this week, let's pray a prayer like this together. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you 
Lord, that you are Heavenly Father first, God, that we don't have to worry or be concerned about, man, I don't know who I'm, who I'm worshiping. I don't know who I'm praying to. I don't know who to trust. That, God, we can take you at your word. Jesus, as you came down to earth to live and die and rise again, to show us, God, the graciousness, the mercy, the goodness of God, Lord, the love that he pours out on us, and yet the call, God, that you give us, Lord, to be able to call us to you, to say, you don't have to worry. Seek me. Seek me. God, we praise you that you have given us the clear call, Lord, that you've given us the ability to replace, to remove the lie, God, to replace it with the truth. God, that you've given us things where we can see you work in our lives, that we are working with you, but we know that you are in charge and taking care of everything else. That is not our concern. God, our, our chief priority this week, God, I pray as a church, as a group of people, God, is just to trust you one day at a time, praying, Lord, seeking after you, God, living in your truth, the truth to others, helping them to, to live in that same way, God, to remove the worry and live in the truth, to live in your hope and love and provision. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you again so much online, especially we're going to do one more thing here uh, in person, but online, thank you, thank you, thank you for being here this morning. Make sure that you share this post with somebody you love or even don't love. Share it with the enemy. That's the best part. And then uh, make sure you don't miss the opportunity to do that on YouTube or Facebook. And then make sure you check us out Thursday, 630 for prayer meeting, which is awesome time to dive a little deeper. And then Friday night, oh, by the way, sorry, online folks, I will give you a, a, a I'm somewhat, somewhat remorseful over it, but we had to move past it. It will not be online this Friday night. So if you want to experience worship night, you have to be here in person. No other way to do it. You got to be here to do it. All right. So I'm sorry about that. I didn't want to give you a subpar experience with our mic set up and you just hear a bunch of noise and not great uh, music and great worship, which is what we want to give you. And so if you're in our area, show up here Friday at six. If not, we're going to see you guys online next Sunday at 10 a.m. Make sure you tell somebody you love them and make sure you spread truth over worry this week. See you guys next time.